Hello, everybody, and welcome to Gaming by Design with Jesse Lee Humphrey. I'm your host, Gabe Newell. Today, we're talking about Ori and the Blind Forest. I was pretty excited to try this one out. Uh, Sorry, by the way, I should say sorry for this podcast getting out uh, later than uh, the previous podcasts. Um, This honestly should have been easy to get out on time. I finished Ori in one stream. It was about seven and a half hours, and I finished the whole game. Uh, But, you know, life, stuff, and things... Uh, so let's let's talk about Ori. I, I hesitate to call it an indie game. It does it does smack of an indie game. I don't know of too many AAA studios that would have attempted, you know, what is basically a Metroidvania. Uh, broad as that term may be. Um, but it did have support from Microsoft Studios on the on the publishing side. So you know, there's there's it seems like there is a bit of money behind it. Do you know what I mean? Um, I'm not sure. I should have looked this up before I started. I'm not sure about the, uh, you know, if they did a Kickstarter or um, a Go uh, GoFundMe or um, what's the indie one? Like Indiegogo, I think. I don't. I don't remember. Um, but this game is is very. Very good looking in a, in a way that's different to Hollow Knight. So last week uh, I talked about Hollow Knight. So there's going to be some comparison between the two naturally because they are both sort of the same genre. Uh, and I played them so close together. And I think Ori looks good in its own right. But if I had to choose between the art styles of the two, I would definitely... Like if somebody said which one of the two is better, I would I would have to say Hollow Knight. Um, just because Hollow Knight has has a deeper lore and a better, more consistent way of communicating its story, I think. Um, but anyway, let's let's go ahead and jump into the design assessment. I mean, that's what this podcast is about. So let's let's jump into that. The biggest thing about this game that's worth mentioning to me is the um, self-management of your checkpoints, um, which gets equal parts frustrating and interesting because, you know, there there will be times that the way developers set checkpoints is a little unfavorable to the player. So it's kind of good to, to be able to manage your checkpoints on your own. Um... So you could, you know, you could set a checkpoint mid-level. Um, and if, and of course, this is like a, this is, this is, it, it functions the same as a checkpoint, which means if you die, then everything that you've done in that level is, is undone. And you start from literally the state at which you set down that checkpoint. I can't remember. I think it's called like a, a spirit link or something like that. 
um, I can't remember the exact terminology, but it's, it's very interesting, but it's also unbelievably frustrating sometimes, uh, because if you, and, and, and this is, this is a point where it's, you know, you, you blame in part yourself if you constantly encounter this. Uh, but I also want to pitch a little bit of blame to the developers for this. Uh, if you set a checkpoint before like a scripted, a scripted scene, um, then once you respawn at that checkpoint, you have to watch that whole scripted scene again. And for me, that's, 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 that's super frustrating. Um, I, I, I feel like that's something that should have been addressed. Like you shouldn't have to watch the same scene over and over and over again, just because you're forgetting to put a checkpoint. I mean, you're already getting punished by having to go all the way back to before that scene anyway, a punishment, which by the way is self-inflicted, but I think it's just exacerbated a little bit more by having to watch the same scripted scene over and over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, that's really frustrating to me. And that's a, a point of design that um, was very prevalent in, you know, like the early 2000s, um, the early to mid 2000s, even with a lot of AAA titles, was that the checkpoint was set before the cutscene. Um, so you had to watch the cutscene every time. And it does that does two things. One, it's really frustrating because then you just get irritated at those scenes, uh, which is bad for the player because you don't want the player getting frustrated with stuff like that. And it also takes away uh, the sense of rhythm that is sometimes necessary to get through um, platforming puzzles or, um, you know, just the herd of enemies that they have to have to get through. Uh, there is a sense of, of rhythm that a player establishes and, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're kind of taking that away though, not on purpose. Like, because, you know, obviously the issue is the player set their checkpoint before the scene, but the scene shouldn't run more than once. The player already knows what's going on. So why do they have to watch it every time? Do you know what I mean? Um, and maybe that's a fringe case, but I, I think as a developer, you would go, look, they saw it once. Let's just make sure we don't show that to them again. But I, I might be crazy. Um, so that I, 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 f I felt like the setting your own checkpoint uh, was very interesting. Because um, I haven't seen that before and I haven't seen it since. Uh, it seemed to be pretty unique to Ori, uh, but maybe, you know, maybe it's elsewhere and I just, I just haven't seen it. Um, so I, I, I both, I, I both liked it and hated it because oftentimes I would just forget like, oh yeah, that's right. I have to set my checkpoint. Uh, and I just, I, you know, I didn't do it. Um, the other thing I liked about this game was the fact, like, you know, comparing this to Hollow Knight, when you move from one area to another, there was like a, you know, a fade out. It was like a fade to black and then a fade into the new scene. Um, so, you know, areas were segmented, you know, like like each area was kind of like a, a panel in a comic book. 
Whereas with Ori, there were no, you know, there was no scene transition from one area to the next. Very rarely did you have instances where, um, you know, the scene would transition into, um, a new part of the level. And that was, that was mostly in like that, that, uh, volcano area, um, when you would have to keep going into those, into those areas. Um, hold on one sec. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, shit. What was I talking about? I lost my train of thought. Sorry. My, my neighbor's fucking crazy, man. Um, shit. I forgot what I was talking about. Oh, I guess continuous environment. Um, so yeah, I, I always thought that that was interesting that there's no like scene transitions except for when you go like deeper into an area. Um, I, 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 I do think probably my favorite part of the whole game, but that frustrated, like it was a part of the game that would frustrate me while I was doing it. But then once I was done, I was like, that was actually satisfying. And I'm glad that they did it that way, which was basically like when you were at the end of an area and there was like a catastrophic event and you had to escape using everything that you'd learned in that area. Um, and, you know, you're escaping some sort of force of nature. Like at the, like when you, when you, um, f- when you free that, that tree from all of like the corruption or, or whatever it is, um, and then the water starts rushing in and, and you're going to end up, you know, drowning. Um, you don't have time to set down a checkpoint and you can't set down a checkpoint because it's not safe to do so. So it requires that you get through the whole area in in one go like if you die in the middle of that you've got to start all the way back at the beginning so the game doesn't even checkpoint you in the middle of that now that's frustrating as a player the first time through but once you get to the end it's satisfying because it sort of forces you it forces you to get good you can't progress until you get good at it um which could be frustrating for a lot of people you know i definitely understand you know, if there are some people out there that are like, you know, I really would have liked some sort of at least one checkpoint in the middle of that. I definitely get that. Um, but I I very much enjoyed it because it it sort of kept the pace going, you know, that sort of excitement. That's that's probably why it was done and why it's so effective is that when you have sequences like that, when you have set pieces like that in a video game, it's very hard to design them in such a way that the player can get through them all in one go and still get a sort of adrenaline rush at the end of it, uh, especially when the sequences are that difficult. So what's interesting about Ori and the Blind Forest is that in those instances, you have to get through it in one attempt if you die you have to start over so so you got to keep working until you can get all the way through it without dying um and so because of both that and the difficulty of those sections there is an extreme satisfaction at the end of that no matter how many times you've had to attempt it because it's like okay finally i got through this um 
And that's actually really hard to pull off. Something that is both as difficult as that can get at times. Uh, it's, it's difficult. It takes a while to get through it. Even if you go through it just clean, like just, you know, you don't die a single time and you can just get through it on your first attempt. Uh, even then it's still a bit of a long sequence. Um, and I just, I, I find that to be very interesting because, you know, as a player in the middle of it, I'm hating it because I have to keep starting all over again. But then once I get to the end, since I had to go through it without dying, I do still get that rush of satisfaction having completed that area. Whereas if you checkpoint in the middle of that, you sort of steal that from the player. Um, so that's interesting. I, I, I liked it a lot because it sort of forces you to get good at it and rewards you in kind. You know, it's not like you don't get anything out of it. You still get that sort of adrenaline rush of having completed that area all in one go. And you still, you still do get to feel like a little bit of a badass. Um, so that was good. Uh, I think the, the art style was, was pretty interesting. Um, it doesn't really remind me of anything. You know, maybe I don't play enough of these these indie side-scrolling titles, uh, but this game's art style didn't really remind me of anything. If anything, it, it struck me animation-wise as a little bit of a, a full-color limbo, which is another... I mean, I would do limbo, but but I would, you know... If I ever do one of these podcasts for Limbo, it's because Limbo will be paired with another game. It's too short of a game to to talk about on its own, which I'm starting to realize now having done, what, three episodes of this podcast? Like some of these games, just they need to be paired or reviewed with uh, a similar game so that they can be compared and contrasted more effectively. That would have been good to do with the Hollow Knight episode um, to, to fully get into uh, the two of them. Uh, and, and how they compare. But anyway, if the art style reminded me of anything, it would remind me of a full color limbo because it felt like the smoothness of the animations and the weight of the characters was, was very similar. The, the story I, I enjoyed, but oddly enough, it felt a little bit too handholdy. Um, I think that the whole story could have been explained in that... Well, spoilers, by the way, if you have not played the game. This is a spoiler alert. Um, I think that the whole game could have been, story-wise, boiled down to um, that sequence where the the... You know, the tree sends out the light and then the baby owls get like burned up, which was really sad to watch, by the way. Um, Because after that, it's like, okay, I get where the owl's coming from. Like, it's hurting. I'm hurt. I hurt just watching those owls die. And yet, even after that sequence where it was incredibly apparent what happened and why, I still felt like the game felt the need to explain it anyway and that's really irritating to me um i always use this i always use this example if anyone has ever played the last of us uh there is a scene in that game where uh joel is talking to oh shit what's her name 
She reminds me of Carrie Ann Moss, and I can't ever remember that character's name. Um, basically, the one who gets who gets bit and is like, "Oh no, the, Ellie's the real deal. Like, you need to protect her." Um, there's a there's a there's a scene where Joel doesn't want anything to do with Ellie. And uh, then this 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 chick looks at Ellie and then looks back at Joel and goes, "Look, I get it." And in that moment, you realize that she's talking about his daughter that he lost. But it's not explained that way, you know. That's it. Like that's a, that's always a backdrop. Like a lot of people may may chide the the whole game, um, but that's always a backdrop piece to the interaction between Joel and Ellie is that Ellie is basically like that whole beginning sequence with his daughter sets up the way he treats Ellie uh, because they they look similar for a very good reason <laughs> um, and so in that instance I felt like Naughty Dog ha- like respected their audience like you're not stupid you can understand what this character means Right. I don't feel like that's what Ori and the Blind Forest did. They showed that whole cinematic sequence of the light burning up those baby owls and then the mother owl rushing to try, like realizing, oh shit, that's going to kill my children and then trying to get to the nest and protect them and then having an egg left and going, I need to protect that with everything I have. I'm going to go fuck up that tree. And instead of just leaving it with like they didn't just leave it with that cutscene. Instead, what they then did was did that, you know, that weird non-English speech, which I'm fine with, by the way. I'll talk about that in a second as well. They do that little, you know, that narration, that that sort of gibberish narration. Um because I don't I don't think that's an actual language. Um and and that sort of that sort of pushes the player forward early on. But then they do that to explain what we just watched. Like, you know, oh, this, like, when Ori looked upon the egg, she understood that this was a mother. But it's like, uh, we know. We were just watching that. Why do you treat us like we're stupid? You actually just ruined it. I don't know. That, that Stuff like that frustrates me. When developers and storytellers don't respect their audience enough to think that the audience can't make a connection, um... Or maybe it's that the writers don't believe in themselves enough to think that the audience will understand something that's that, I don't know, something that's that actually easy to understand. Um, That cutscene said everything and then there still had to be narration and text on the screen to explain it. And and for me, that just cheapens the emotional impact of what is otherwise a nonverbal communication of the story. Uh, And that really frustrates me. Because if if it had been left at that, then the ending would have been even more powerful. You know, when the when the owl's looking at Jesus, I can't remember I can't remember anybody's names, but when the owl's looking at that uh, at that character from the beginning, you know the the sort of uh, the the fat character, um, picking up Ori and being like, "Oh God, please don't be dead." Um. That's when that the owl understands what they've done and understands like, you know what? I can trust this person 
but I've got to set this right. You know, what I've done is, is destructive and I may have done it for the right reason, but you know, I've got to set this right. And then obviously mama owl dies in the process. And then that egg goes to, goes to, um, fuck, whatever her name is. That, that, that moment was already powerful, but it would have been more powerful had I not felt like I was being handheld through the story. That stuff genuinely cheapens stories for me when the storyteller either doesn't believe in themselves enough to, to leave a connection just a little bit vague. Honestly, the connection was not that vague. You got it. You're watching it happen. It's, it's very obvious and yet still felt the need to handhold and, and explain it through that narration. And that just bothered me. That bothered me the moment I saw it. I was like, don't tell me what just happened. I watched it happen. I was feeling emotionally invested. And then you tried to explain it to me like I didn't understand what I just watched. So I don't know that, you know, that shit kind of irritates me. Um, I did like, and I always do like stuff like this when indie teams use narration like that in non-languages because it makes localization a lot easier because then you just have to translate a lot of text. You don't have to, you know, go pay for more voice acting in various languages because it's the language of the video game. Hollow Knight did the same thing. And I don't believe that that is an intentional world building thing. I always see that as that is the cheapest way to avoid localization while still having voice acting. Um, which is not a knock, by the way. That's that's always a great idea. I love seeing it because that sort of tells me this is a smart team right here. They they want to be able to localize um, cheaply and efficiently, and that's the best way to do it is to just have a non-language that you record everything in. Um, so I, I, I love seeing that. Here's another thing I didn't like about uh, Ori was the repetitive item explanation. Every time I picked up an energy orb or like a, a life orb, it or like a, a, a skill point, it always paused and did that. Sc- like the first time you pick it up, sure, explain to me what I just picked up. But why am I getting this explanation 11 more times? I already know what this fucking thing is. I know this blue orb is going to give me more energy. Why are you telling me every time I pick one up? That does not make sense. That that really frustrated me too. Stuff like that, stuff that's that inefficient with my time and my attention just bothers me. Did nobody on the team think of that? Why are we encountering this every time? The player knows what it is the first time they see it, especially because of the color. That's all kept on the bottom of the screen. The colors are very obvious. So when you encounter them in the world, it's not a shock. You know that that green orb is going to give you an extra uh, um, an extra life orb. You know that blue one is going to give you an extra piece of energy. You know the yellow, orange, gold-ish one is going to give you a skill point. Why are we still sitting? I know it's a small thing to bitch about, but like it just it really bothers me when I see stuff like that. You don't have to waste my time like this. Like, I still got it done in seven and a half hours, but, like, be efficient with my attention. Don't make me have to skip shit because I already know. Because every time I had to look at that little screen explaining what the energy orb did, 
it just frustrated me. I had to skip it and I skipped it every time. Why couldn't it just not show up? I know what it does. I know what that orb is going to do. Why are you telling me again? Like I'm an idiot. Uh, and that's kind of what bothered me the most about the game is that there were there were instances where it made me feel like they thought players might be dumb. You know, like, I don't know, S- little things like that sort of really bother me because you do, they don't, they're easy to fix from what I know. Uh, and they're, they're unnecessary. And it's just the, the more that uh, the game is inefficient with my attention and my time, the more frustrating it gets to play. Um, and that might just be me as a, as a designer looking at it going, why is this happening again? Why am I reading this again? I don't need to see this. Make this more efficient. Like, just get rid of it. It's not that hard. Uh, but maybe I'm picking on it a little bit too much, you know? Um, overall though, I I really liked it. Um, I don't think it has the same level of replayability that maybe Hollow Knight does. And I definitely don't think it's as deep as Hollow Knight is lore wise or even gameplay wise. Um, simply because the combat is, the combat feels very area based rather than directed. So you look at Hollow Knight and obviously you've got the nail. Um, which means that wherever you swipe, that's what's going to get hit. With Ori in the Blind Forest, it's very much like get in the same general vicinity as the enemies and then just mash that attack button. So yeah, that combat feels a little bit less pointed, uh, less meaningful, because you're not making, you're not really making a decision so much as you are button mashing when it comes to trying to eliminate enemies in an area. So I, I feel like the combat in Ori is a little bit less meaningful. Um, because, yeah, there's a range on it, but, but you don't really have to put yourself in danger to attack something. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can do it from a pretty safe distance and, and not worry about it. That being said, you still do you still do get fucked up sometimes. But, like, with Hollow Knight, the trade-off is, well, in order to get into attack range... You have to get close, which means you are putting yourself in immediate danger. And if that enemy is a ranged enemy, okay, well, how do you get within attack range without taking too much damage on the way there? Uh, and it feels like the the combat in Hollow Knight feels a little bit more purposeful, whereas in Ori and the Blind Forest, it feels a bit more like an afterthought, like something you could have tacked on or removed that isn't really backed up by any of the gameplay. Uh, and that feels you know, almost, it's like someone went, okay, well, this platforming is interesting, but like, what do we do for a combat system? And so they introduced that, that didn't influence the level design in any meaningful way and didn't influence any of the, um, any of the enemy design in any meaningful way. Um, I don't know though. That's just my opinion. I, I, I feel like the combat in Ori and the Blind Forest, probably the weakest part of the whole thing. Um, because while it does make you feel powerful, it doesn't make you feel skilled. The combat in Hollow Knight makes you feel skilled once you get really good at nail jumping. Like once you're able to do that downstrike, 
dude, half the game opens up to you that, that wouldn't otherwise open up to you. Like there are areas in Hollow Knight where if you know how to nail jump, you don't need the crystal heart. You just have to know, you just have to nail jump across. Um, and that's, that's, that's really interesting to me. Um, but that's not really the case with Ori and the Blind Forest. The combat there is very much um, a segment completely different from from the movement. The combat doesn't influence movement uh, in any meaningful way. Not to me anyway. Um, but, you know, I don't... I, I, I can't recommend... Any, you know, like I, I can sit here and judge it, but I couldn't say, oh, well, if they had done this instead, because I don't know how to implement combat in a meaningful way, specifically in Ori, because um, I'm comparing it to Hollow Knight in the way that Hollow Knight's combat can still feed into the, the traversal of the world outside of a combat situation, which is not the case with Ori. So I wouldn't know how to implement a combat system in Ori that fulfills... Um, that um that criteria um but otherwise i think it was i think it was pretty fun the best part was definitely uh definitely those those sort of burn down area moments where you've got to get through all in one go that was those were all really exciting um but i don't think i would play it again Hollow Knight I would play again just because it's extremely satisfying to play. I never really got an extreme sense of satisfaction out of anything in Ori except for those three areas. Whereas every single kill and every single maneuver in Hollow Knight breeds some sort of satisfaction. Um, it's also been a while since I've played a game with a proper skill tree. Like... Ori had Ori had a skill tree like straight up, you know, use the skill points to buy these things. I'm not it's been a while since I've played a game like that. Um you know, Hollow Knight wasn't like that. It was you unlocked charms and those charms affected the way you played the game. Uh which I honestly think is is better and the game that I'm going to be reviewing week after uh, next does a similar thing. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that. I think we're going to start that one on Friday. I'm not going to talk about what it is just yet. Uh, if you've been on the stream, you will likely already know, uh, what game I'm talking about. Um, next week or rather this coming Sunday, we are going to talk about portal and portal Two which should be fun. I often use the first portal game as an example of basically perfect game design in every sense of the word. Um, so there's going to be a lot to talk about there. Uh, and then portal two is going to be interesting because portal two is more narrative, but we'll, we'll talk about it next week, but, uh, it's more narrative based than its predecessor, which is interesting because that narrative is then a background for a whole new mechanic. Um, which is odd because it's not actually a new mechanic. It's sort of just a recontextualization of a mechanic you already know, which again, we will talk about more uh, next week. I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about it right now. Um, so 
yeah, that'll that'll do it for this week's podcast. I think this one's a little bit shorter than the others. I'm not sure. Uh, that'll do it for this week. Uh, be sure to check out the uh, the stream Twitch T. Uh, excuse me, twitch.tv slash Jesse Lee Humphrey. Feel free to tweet at me at Jesse Lee Humphrey or send me an email at jesse.humphrey at gmail.com. If you want me to like, if you want to ask questions, uh, if you want me to answer something on the podcast, um, feel free to, to uh, DM me on Twitter or send me an email. I'd love to get uh, some feedback. And, you know, if you have suggestions for games to play specifically to judge them, uh, I'd love to, I'd love to talk about it. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for for this week. Thank you guys so much for for listening and for supporting the stream. It's it's a lot of fun to do this. Sorry for getting this one out late, by the way. Uh, just you know, life. And uh, we will see you guys next week.